I remember praying one day. I'm out praying 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm talking to the Creator at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I ain't where I want to be. And I'm like, God, I ain't where I want to be. And he was like, you stop being a victim. I said, what you mean a victim? Well, it ain't my fault my mom got pregnant at 17. It ain't my fault my daddy wasn't there. It ain't my fault they couldn't get along. It ain't my fault. He said, boy, you, you grown. You, you, the decisions you make right now is up to you. I believe that there is no life without a spiritual life. It's God's power, his hand, his leading, his guiding, his just alone ability to give you the grace to overcome, to give you the grace to persevere, to give you the strength to, to push through. This is where real transformation, real conversion, real life change happens. There's so many of us, we give up because we pray once and we pray for about five minutes and because it didn't happen the way that we wanted it to happen, we gave up on prayer. God said, no, I need you to stay in this fight. Don't, don't give up just yet. I need you to hang in there. Pray until you see your child come back. Pray until you see your sick loved one get healed. Pray. When God has something for you, it doesn't matter who stands against it. Because we are all spiritual beings having a human experience. At a certain point, you're going to hit something that's going to test that level of faith. And my definition of commitment was always staying true to what I said I would do long after the move that I set it in has left. Like, am I going to stay true to my belief and my core and my essence of who I am as an individual, even if I get a paralyzed right arm and hand? Am I going to stay true to it, even if my little career that I thought I was going to have disappears? Am I going to stay true to it, even if one day I'm in a football game, the thing I love to do, the thing I've been practicing my whole life, and in one moment it gets wiped out? Am I going to stay true to it? Can you lift your hand and trust God when it seems as though all hope is lost? I'm not holding back. I'm leaving everything on the floor. I'm giving you everything that I have, every stitch of belief in me, every drop of blood in my body. Trust you, Jesus. And anything you want good, you can have. So claim it. Work hard to get it. Put God first. Put God first in everything you do. Everything that you think you see in me, everything that I've accomplished, everything that you think I have, and I have a few things. Everything that I have is by the grace of God. Understand that. It's a gift. Well, I have traveled the world. And I have spoke to millions of people. But that's not the most important thing, the success that I had. The most important thing is that I've been protected. I've been directed. I've been corrected. I've kept God in my life and has kept me humble. I didn't always stick with him, but he always stuck with me. So stick with him in everything you do. If you think you want to do what you think I've done, then do what I've done and stick with God. In order to achieve your goals, you must apply discipline, which you've already done, and consistency every day, not just on Tuesday and just a few days. You have to work at it. I pray that you put your slippers 
way under the bed tonight so that when you wake up in the morning, you have to get on your knees to reach them. And while you're down there, say thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for parents. Thank you for love. Thank you for kindness. Thank you for humility. Thank you for peace. Thank you for prosperity. Say thank you in advance for what's already yours. That's how I live my life. That's one of the reasons why I am today. Say thank you in advance for what is already yours. True desire in the heart for anything good is God's proof to you sent beforehand to indicate that it's yours already. I'll say it again. True desire in the heart, that itch that you have, whatever it is you want to do, that thing that you want to do to help others and to, to grow and to make money, that desire, that itch, that's God's proof to you sent beforehand already to indicate that it's yours. And anything you want good, you can have. So claim it. Work hard to get it. Put God first. It's not always going to be easy. But if you trust him, he will see it through. Proverbs 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean into your own understanding. Bible says in Psalm 46 and 10. Be still. And see stillness requires discipline. You have to trust God to be still. We are so addicted to moving. We are so addicted to talking. And then we don't realize and we walk away and we think it's done and it was nothing but a band-aid. But God is the physician. Bible says in Psalm 46 and 10, be still and know that I am God. You can't be still unless you trust him. It says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This means that whatever it is that you face in the earth, Jesus will be exalted. And I need to trust in the risen Savior. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. And he is with you right in the middle. And if you're going to trust God, you cannot lean into your own understanding. You can't lean into what looks pretty, what looks perfect. You can't lean into what makes sense to the naked eye. You can't lean into what everybody's telling you to do. If the Father is leading you to go in a certain direction, into uncharted territories, to conquer in an area where you have never conquered before, the time is now to rise up and make it happen. Moses had to believe something he had never seen. He had to walk and do something he had never seen anybody do. Moses had to become the man he had never had in his life. Moses had to trust God. 
in the face of gross adversity and turbulence, in the face of people that did not believe that he was the one that was to lead them into a promised land. Even if you are tired, even if you are weary, even when you don't completely believe, can you trust God? The Bible says in Exodus 14 and 21, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by the strong east wind all the night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. But God told him that he would do it. And with many of us, God tells you that breakthrough is coming and curses are about to be broken. The miraculous is going to be unleashed in your life. And he's going to speak to you before you see it. And you've got to catch the word before you see the manifestation. You have to stand on the word of God before you see it. Stand on it before you see it. This is the beauty and the brilliance and the power of leaning not to your own understanding, but trusting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who was and is and is to come, the God that is already standing at the end, he's at the beginning, and he's with you right in the middle of the worst hour of your life. Listen, I think one of the most underutilized things in the world is prayer. I mean, prayer is powerful. Prayer moves mountains. Prayer changes lives. Prayer connects us to God. I mean, literally, think about it. You have a moment, an opportunity within each and every day to talk to God. I mean, we're talking about God, the creator of heaven and earth. The creator of the universe. You have an opportunity, a moment to pause and talk to God. God is asking us, will you pray? Will you pray? Rather than worrying, will you pray? Rather than being afraid, will you pray? Rather than complaining about everything going wrong, will you pray? I promise the moment you start praying, everything around you is going to change. The moment you start praying... That weight on your shoulders going to get lighter. When you start praying, all of a sudden your heart is going to feel so much better. When you start praying, your perspective is going to get so much clearer. When you start praying, your family is going to start coming together. When you start praying the things that used to drive you crazy and the things that used to stress, that used to stress you out is going to be gone from your life. When you start to pray, I'm telling you the things that were driving you crazy will all of a sudden begin to disappear. When you pray, you will change the world. It is our time. It is our moment. We got to start to pray. 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 Until something moves. Anytime that you want to sit with God, God says we can have a moment. Anytime that you want to talk to your creator, God says I will sit and talk with you. I, I will literally meet you. I will literally show up in your prayer closet just to spend a moment with you. Can I tell you something? Prayer may not be your thing. You may be saying, hey, I, I don't really like praying. I don't really know how to pray. Prayer is just not what I like to do. Prayer is not my thing. That's fine, but prayer is God's thing. Spending time with you and talking to you and having conversation, it does something for God. 
The Bible says that if we abide in him, he abides in us. It's this idea that we can have relationship and connection. That that when we sit down and stop to pray, that God literally stops with us and he has this moment of connection. And my question to you is, will you only do the things with God that please you? Or will you start to do the things that please him? Are you the kind of person that says, God, I only want to do the stuff that makes me happy. I only want to do the stuff that hooks me up. I only want to do the stuff that I like, but I'm not trying to do none of the stuff that you like. No, 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 no. God says, if you draw nigh unto me, I'll draw nigh unto you. In other words, the closer you get to me, the closer I get to you. And if God likes prayer, you got to get to a place in your life where you say, hey, this may not be my thing, but God, if you like to talk, then we're going to talk. God, if you want me to spend an hour with you today, that's what I'm going to do. God, if you want me to get into a prayer closet, close the door, and just be a distraction-free while we talk, then God, that's what we're going to do. And I'm telling you right now that God is saying, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. It's time that you get into a space where you spend time with God. God saying, hey, when are you going to talk to me? When God has something for you, it doesn't matter who stands against it. God will move someone that's holding you back away from a door and put someone there who will open it for you. I don't know what your future is, but if you are willing to take the harder way, the more complicated one, the one with more failures at first than successes, the one that has ultimately proven to have more meaning, more victory, more glory, then you will not regret it. The light of new realization shines on you today. Press on with pride and press on with purpose. When completing a long climb, one first experiences dizziness due to the high altitude. But once you become accustomed to the climb, your mind opens up to the tranquility of the triumph. Oftentimes, the mind is flooded with realizations that were for some reason harder to come to when you were at a lower elevation. At this moment, most of you need some realizations because right now you have some big decisions to make. Right now, I urge you, in your breath, in your in your eyes, in your in your in your consciousness, invest in the importance of this moment and cherish it. You should celebrate, but this moment is also part of that celebration. So savor the taste of your triumphs today. Don't just swallow the moment whole without digesting what has actually happened. Look down over what you conquered and appreciate what God has brought you through. Remember, the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. There may not be a tomorrow for you and for me. Time is short. Our lives are brief. Someone asked me, what is your greatest surprise in life? And I answered, the brevity of life. 
if someone had told me when I was 20 years old that life was very short and would pass just like that, I wouldn't have believed it. And if I tell you that, you don't believe it either. I cannot get young people to understand how brief life is, how quickly it passes. It seems like yesterday I was in school. You know, we have on television today the early Today Show and the Today Show and the This Morning Show and the Good Morning America Show and the CBS News Night Watch and NBC News Overnight and ABC News Nightline, the Tonight Show. And everything today reminds us of today and reminds us of the importance of this moment and of this hour and of this minute. I graduated from college 40 years ago this next year. A war had just started. We went by train and bus everywhere. I drove a car. You had one. No such thing as a Holiday Inn. No McDonald's hamburgers. I don't know how we made it. No Kentucky Fried Chicken. No interstate highways. Elvis Presley was just a little boy. The Beatles had just been born. Never dreamed of a space shuttle. Roosevelt was, see- was still president. It seemed like he was going to be president from then on. And most of you were not born that are here today. And how quickly the years pass. There may not be a tomorrow for you. And for me. Because there's a warning to time. Do not halt between two opinions. Fools say that time is long. Every morning we have 86,400 seconds to spend and to invest. And each day the bank named time opens a new account for you and for me. It allows no balances and no overdraft. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. I believe if you start your day with God, it's going to change your life. I believe that how you start will impact how you finish. And if you start your day right, you can end your day right. And there are too many people who aren't having success throughout their days, not realizing that the way they started didn't give them the motivation and the inspiration and the jumpstart that they really need. But we're going to solve that right here. I'm going to tell you how to start your day. And it starts with this. You have to start your day with God. No, you're not starting your day with your spouse, even though you love them so much. You're not starting your day with your kids, even though they're precious and beautiful. You're not starting your day with the television. No, I know that's your favorite show. But you got to tell everybody and everything to pause so that you can get some time with God. I believe this. I believe that when you start your day with God, you receive the fuel that you need to be successful throughout the day. So many people go throughout each and every day on E. You are empty. You have poured out and given to so many people. You you find yourself emotionally empty. You find yourself spiritually empty. And you are frustrated and tired and annoyed and irritable. What it is, is you don't have any fuel for your day. But when you start your day with God and you rest in His presence, you come out of that moment filled with fuel. 
And I'm trying to get you fueled for the rest of your day. Here's what you got to do. You got to get up early. That's right. You got to set your alarm clock. You got to wake up early in the morning. The Bible tells us that Jesus rose up early in the morning so that he could start his day with God. Man, you got to get up. I'm sorry, but you can't keep sleeping till 9 o'clock. Whatever time you choose, I need you to make a decision today. I'm getting up early. Stop sleeping your time with God away. You're going to have to wake up. first step to success is to get your mind right. The second step is to get your mouth right. The words you verbalize are a direct reflection of the beliefs that you have internalized. I can spend two minutes with you in conversation and by the words you use and the faith that I feel behind those words, I can tell you exactly where you're going in life. Words set outcomes in motion. God has given us the power to create with our mouths. When you are going through the trial, the tribulation, the challenge, the struggle, whatever it is you're facing, I want you to remember this. Your mind, your faith, and your mouth are your weapons. Success has to be first spoken into existence. Now the words you say are either moving you closer to your dreams or moving you further away. I'm going to tell you the secret. When you learn to tame your tongue, you take control of your destiny. You get behind the steering wheel. When your mouth matches your mind, which aligns with your faith, nothing can stop you. That's what I'm talking about. When I say blessed and unstoppable, it's your faith, your mind, and your words walking in agreement together. Your mouth carries full command of the realm around you. You have the ability to bless, curse, heal, or destroy every time you utter something out of your mouth. Acknowledging this transformative power is essential to building a life of success. Breakthroughs start in the mind. But it's your mouth that initiates the change. In order to seize possession of the victory, you have to do that with your words. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now it's time to declare the blessing. Every cell, muscle, tissue, fiber, joint, ligament, bone, organ, system in my body, it's functioning in perfection which God intended toward to function. I call forth healing, complete restoration. For I will restore health unto thee and I will heal thee in our wounds, saith the Lord. My body radiates greatness. No sickness will have any dominion over me. I think like a champion. I speak like a champion. I work out like a champion. And when I sit down at the food table, the food I put in my body helps make me a better champion. My body is holy. My body is the temple. The spirit resides in my body. And I will treat my body with respect. I align every ounce of my being with my message. I look, I feel, I radiate greatness. I speak over my finances. Money comes to me easily, frequently, and abundantly in God's perfect way with no burden added to it. 
I am the master of money. Money does not own me. I own it. It serves me. I don't serve it. I am the head and not the tail. Above, not below. I will lend to many nations and not borrow. I am a millionaire. That's right. I said I'm a millionaire. Scarcity and lack have no place in the life of a Christian. Isaac planted his crops that year. And he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him and his wealth continued to grow. Money's coming to me pressed down, shaking together, and running over. My storehouses are overflowing with you, Lord, the overseer. I wrap every dollar with grace, love, and for the betterment of your kingdom. I speak over my relationships now. All the right mentors, mentees, coaches, teachers, people who have knowledge that I need to fulfill my God-given calling are now coming into my life. My marriage is one of unity, one of love, one of passion, one of friendship. We are united together as one under the one true God. I speak life over my wife, love, joy, happiness, encouragement, inspiration, uplifting. Every word I speak builds her up. No sickness has any dominion over her. The devil has no place in her life. She is prosperous, successful, anointed, less than unstoppable in the name of Jesus. The devil has no place in my home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord united as one. I refuse to give the devil a foothold in my life. Because no corrupt communication shall proceed out of my mouth. Fear has no dominion over me. For the Lord did not give me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of sound mind. I believe champions don't run from fear. They attack it. I'm not in chains. I'm not in bondage. I'm not a slave to anything. For he who the sun sets free is free indeed, and I am free. Alcohol. Drugs, lust, greed, pride, bitterness, jealousy, unforgiveness, anger, eating disorders, panic attacks, PTSD, cancer, heart attacks, strokes. None of these things have any dominion over me because I'm blessed and unstoppable. God is limited. I didn't make a mistake. God is limited. For I know, this is God talking, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, Jeremiah 29, 11. The only way I can justify this particular text is because God is limited. That is, that is got to be it. Why? Because God says, for well, I know the plans that I have for you. And for a lot of us, the plans that God has for us, those plans are not happening in our lives. So I'm going to say it again. God is limited. He limited because of you. If you don't catch this, you're not going to catch the message. God says, I, I have plans to prosper you. And so you'd have gotten some terrible marriages. You'd have gotten some terrible relationships. You made some crazy financial decisions. You ain't living the way you're supposed to be living. Your health is not where it's supposed to be. And so it has to be that if God is Alpha and Omega, if God is the beginning and the end, if God is all-powerful and all-knowing, 
the only way I can explain why your life don't look like Jeremiah 29 is because you put limits on God. Oh, my, my, my. If this text is right and God's got a plan for you and you got all kinds of stuff on your vision board, but some of the stuff ain't happen, you are limiting God. God got a whole bunch of limits and they all start with you. Take the limits off of God, please. Take the boundaries off God. Take the chains off God. Free God up and let him be the creator in your life. But why do I stress peace, y'all? The reason why I stress peace, because it is a biblical construct. It's from the word of God. Peace is so deep. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. You are limiting God. Shame on you, you hypocrite. You're always talking about non-believers and how they don't respect God. You know God. You know God. You know God. And you done put the same limits on God that non-believers put on them. The Bible says, and the peace of God. Peace comes from heaven. And the peace of God, which surpasseth all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? Do you know that it's peace job to stand before your heart? Do you know it's peace job to stand before your mind? When you have peace, it protects, it binds the enemy. And you're wondering why you can't sleep. And you're wondering why you have a spirit of anxiety. You don't have your protector. I dare you to get your protector. I dare you to get your protector, which is peace. Let God protect your heart and your mind. We already know what to do when God says yes. What will you do when God says no? In the words of an older gentleman, he told me one day, he said, young man, you can't speed up the river and you can't slow it down. At a certain point, you gotta have some faith. When things happen to redirection, it's a part of the journey. It makes it even sweeter in the end when the purpose is greater and about something greater than you. But this is what I've understood. In life, some people don't need you to preach a sermon. They need you to live one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I'm like, God, are we moving like that? And I come into my junior year, and I'm about to get exactly what I want. About to get this thing called NFL. Ten games away from this dream. This thing that I've been working for my whole life. My whole life is dedicated to this one game. I got the paperwork that states I'm about to be an NFL draft pick. NFL on top of the paper. Inky Johnson projected top 30 automatic multi-millionaire. Now all you have to do, the hard part's over. Just play the next 10 football games, Ink. You, you, you made it. And I go out in a silly game against Air Force. Two minutes left. And I go to make a tackle that I can make with my eyes closed. And when I hit him, every breath in my body left. My body goes completely limp. I fall to the ground. I blacked out. My eyes open. I'm still not, you know, too concerned because it's football. When my eyes open, guys run over. Hey, let's rock, man. Let's go. Let's finish him off. And I'm like, I, I can't. I said, I can't move. It's a shock. Neck to my toes. I can't feel anything. Shock leaves. It stays in my right arm and hand. I'm like, maybe I got a bad stinger. They put me on the spine board, willing me off the field. Doctor says to me as he's walking beside me, I don't know how you're still alive, son. You're going to have any pulse. 
We get to the ambulance. My father's standing there. I'm like, Pops, I laid it on him, right? I put it on him, right? My dad's like, yeah, but I think you got the worst part of this one. Doctor said, we're going to take you over, run a couple tests, bring you back into the room. Everything will be cool. They run the test. They bring you back into the room. Mom comes in, kisses, prays. Son, you'll be fine. Doctors rush in. Hand boy says, hey, man, got to rush him back to surgery. He's about to die. We don't perform this surgery tonight. I guarantee you, you won't be here no more. And now the thing I placed my identity in, now it's gone. That's why I laugh at people when they say, man, if I could just get this, I'll be. Man, if I could just get this position, I'll be. Woo. Man, if I could just get this amount of money, I'll be. I'm like, But what happens even if you get it or you don't get it? What happens when God says yes and no? Like, do you have the ability to accept what you don't understand? Can you still see God's plan when it didn't go the way that you thought it would go? Can you handle when things get off course? I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, man, I'm eight games away and God is redirecting me. And I'm like, God, just let me get to the NFL, then redirect me. Like, let me get the contract, then redirect me so I can help my family. And God's like, no, son, I need you to really go that way. And I'm like, sure, like, man, I need to go this way. He's like, no, I need you to go this way. I got something greater for you. Now, I might take a little longer to manifest, but I got something even sweeter. And I said, thank God. And I thought it was over after football got redirected. My life got redirected two, three more times before I even fell into my purpose and my mission. And what I was supposed to be doing, it got redirected two, three more times. I'm thinking I'm going to be a coach. Just like every guy when he finishes the game. And I'll just coach. God's like, okay. I'm like, boy, this is peace. Nope, no peace. And I always tell a story about when my faith was fortified and my life went to another level was the only thing I had at that moment was a prayer and a book. And the prayer that I prayed was, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do. Exact prayer. I don't know what you want me to do. But people keep coming to me telling me, speak. Inky, you need to speak. And I'm like, I'm not speaking. And God brought me to the point where I had nothing. And I was on my knees. I said, Lord, listen, I don't know if this is what you want me to do, but I submit and let's rock. And the next morning I woke up, I had my book I had written. I got up and I looked at my wife. I said, I'm going to take this book to open. So I got my book. I got my suit. It's hot. Every door that opened, I ran in it. I said, hey, man, Inky Johnson. Drove from Atlanta. They're like, get out of here. I'm like, man, open people rude, man. I thought you nice. You give away cars. I just rude. So after getting kicked out of like four doors, I go to the back of the building. I sit down. I put my back in the building. look up to the sky. And I'm like, oh, man. Thought it was you. I'm like, man, my wife wants you be out, man. I get up. I look down the sidewalk, and at this moment, there was nobody but Oprah and the security guard. Talking about nobody else. She's walking toward me. I'm walking toward her. I get a couple of feet away. I stop. She grabbed my suit. She said, hey, that's a nice suit. I said, thank you. I said, I drove from Atlanta. I wanted to get you my book. So oh, cool, great. I said, would you mind taking a picture? We take a picture, and I'm going to walk off. She said, I got to get in and do my show. I said, all right, thank you. And I'm going to walk off, and her security says to me, said, uh, hey, young man, come here. I stopped. I went back to him. He said, I just want to tell you something. He said, what just happened never happens. He said, now, I don't know what's going to come out of it. I don't know book club, show. I don't know about any of that. He said, but I just want to make sure I tell you what just happened never happens. 
Like, God, are we really moving to the point where I can get up in Atlanta, Georgia, look at my wife, don't know nobody in Chicago, don't know nobody on Oprah's staff, and look at my wife and say, I'm going to meet Oprah. I got a certain level of faith that I'm going to meet Oprah. And God puts me face to face with Oprah and puts the book in her hand. I said, God, let's go. And so now I live my life a certain type of way according to what God has done. I live my life a certain type of way according to the power that I know the Lord possesses. I live my life a certain type. Like when I go to the Lord in prayer, I go bold. Like at a certain point, like what is it really about? Like, and I know the initial reaction when we go through things is to say, man, why did this have to happen to me? And it's an honest reaction. Because sometimes good people go through some crazy stuff. And some of the things we go through, I'm going to just be real, it's not, a, it's not a scripture board. At a certain point, you're going to hit something that's going to test that level of faith. And my definition of commitment was always staying true to what I said I would do long after the mood that I've set it in has left. Like, am I going to stay true to my beliefs and my core and my essence of who I am as an individual, even if I get a paralyzed right arm and hand? Am I going to stay true to it, even if my little career that I thought I was going to have disappears? Am I going to stay true to it, even if one day I'm in a football game, the thing I love to do, the thing I've been practicing my whole life, and in one moment it gets wiped out? Am I going to stay true to it? Because depending upon if I'm going to stay true to it, a lot of other people's belief in their Christian journey is predicated upon that and my belief in my Christian journey. In other words, I've seen a lot of other people say, Inky, I want to give my life to Christ, not because of something that happened with me, but because of something I've seen happen to you. And people have the nerve to ask me all the time, Inky, why wouldn't you change what happened to you? You got a paralyzed right arm and hand. I'm like, if you only knew and if you only saw the works that God has done in people's lives around me, what he's done in me, yeah, it's great, it's cool. But what God has done in the people's lives around me, like, you can't put a price on that. We already know what to do when God says yes. We already know what to do when our prayers get answered. But the question that I have for you in this rhetorical, what will you do when God says no? No.